Hi there. This is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I have found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. When the church comes together in meetings, there is a defined format laid down in the scriptures that must take place. Some churches do some of these things and some do not. Meeting together as a church is very important, as we see in the book of Hebrews. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Some people in the early church had developed the habit of not meeting together, and this is dangerous. We come together to praise and worship the Lord and to learn the words of God. We meet together to help those who are down and to encourage one another, as this scripture tells us, and when we meet as a church, we do not stand alone. Looking at the process of church and what needs to be done, it is important that we come together both for the sake of the church and the individual members of the congregation. Most of the insights we are given for church meetings are shown in 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brethren, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, at each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silence in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting by, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 26 to 32. This is the basic process for coming together as a group to praise, worship and learn the things of the Lord. There are hymns, lessons, testimonies, teachings and revelations. There are prophecies and the use of tongues when and if the Lord uses someone to manifest those gifts. And in my experience, it does not always happen. And one of the key things we see in this is that the meetings must be run in an orderly fashion. If some people have the gift of tongues, then they should take it in turns to speak as the Lord leads them, and only if they or someone else has the gift of interpretation of tongues. These gifts cannot be taken, but are given by God to his ministers so that they can minister to the church. The people must wait their turn if the Lord leads them, and not speak over the top of someone else who is already speaking. And there should not be any more than two or three people operate the gift of tongues during the meeting. Similarly, those who have the gifts of prophecy must take turns and not all speak at once. And again, there should be no more than two or three speak to the church. Too often in some Pentecostal or charismatic churches, we see all the congregation speaking in tongues together, and it is just massive confusion. Earlier in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, we're given instruction about this practice, and we are told it is not correct to have all people speaking in tongues at the same time. Even common sense tells us that if everyone is speaking at the same time, then it will be a confusing noise. This is what Paul had to say about such a practice. 
If, therefore, the whole church assembles and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. Yes, Paul called this cacophony of noise when all are speaking in tongues together madness. So don't fall into that trap. And besides, if everyone was speaking in tongues together and a prophecy or an interpretation was to come through, who would know? Who would hear it over the noise? The words of the Lord to instruct the church will be lost under the babble of noise. There is also a practice I've seen in some Pentecostal or charismatic churches where the pastor speaks in tongues as part of his ministry. Again, this is a pointless exercise because no one can understand what he is saying. Look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about such practices as this. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say the Amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may give thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Be babes in evil, but in thinking be mature. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 16 to 20. Those who do this clearly do not understand the purpose of speaking in tongues. Tongues are not meant for doing platform ministry, preaching or teaching. And as Paul said, five words with his mind used to teach others is immeasurably better than 10,000 words in a tongue that no one can understand. Moving on, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32, which I will quote again, says this, And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. Paul tells us here that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophet. The spirit does not take over the prophet, causing him to act in strange ways. We have seen in some parts of the church some strange practices where people would jump up and down or dance or laugh or bark like dogs or act drunk, and all of these are supposedly brought on by the actions of the Holy Spirit. This is not the way the Holy Spirit works. He does not take us over. As this scripture tells us, the prophet is in full control of their faculties and their bodies, and as the start of verse 33 tells us, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 Paul closes out this chapter with several other important instructions about the way a meeting should be structured. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that what I am writing to you is a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 37 to 40. These instructions to the church that show us how to run our meetings are not just suggestions from Paul. Verse 37 tells us that these are the commands of the Lord. The Lord commands us to operate our meetings in an orderly manner and to avoid confusion of the types mentioned above. We see also that we should not forbid speaking in tongues. That is not the message that is preached in some churches today who refuse to accept speaking in tongues. They preach that tongues were a gift only for those days in the early church. Nothing could be further from the truth. Tongues are an important part of the ministry, especially for individuals, but also in the church. Those who reject tongues do so at their own peril. Tongues build people up and are a key to learning how to walk in the Spirit.
As I've mentioned before in this book, all of the gifts of God are given for very important and specific purposes, and that includes speaking in tongues. The reason some churches reject tongues is because they do not know or understand the reasons why this gift was given by God. Going into detail about the purpose and function of tongues is outside the scope of this book, but you can find out more by either searching my website, freegiftfromgod.com, or by downloading a copy of my book titled The Six Foundation Teachings of Christianity from my website for free. Anyway, as I mentioned, it is important that the meeting be run in an orderly fashion, and so all of the parts of the meeting, such as hymns, songs, lessons, revelations, tongues or prophecy, should be allocated a certain slot in the meeting and not go beyond that timetable. Some churches tend to be quite elastic in the time set aside for some of these things. They get carried away with one segment of the meeting to the detriment of the rest. Some are heavily focused on the singing or praise and worship, and they run over time because they are all carried away with the emotions of the moment. This may mean that the lesson for the day needs to be cut short. While it is good to praise and worship in the church, it is equally important to learn the lessons of the Lord. That is why all things must be done in an orderly fashion so that all parts of the meeting are given the proper attention they deserve. There is one more part of the meeting that Paul did not mention in this section in 1 Corinthians 14, and that is the need to hold communion or breaking of bread, depending on what you want to call it. We are instructed to break bread to remember and commemorate the death of Jesus, that he died for us so that we could have life. Jesus told his disciples to do this at the Last Supper, and Paul instructed the church to do this also in the following verses. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. We are called to remember what the Lord has done for us in his death and resurrection by the breaking of bread and taking the cup. This is how we are to remember him. In this remembrance, we participate, commemorate and remember Jesus for what he did for us. What may be surprising to many in the church is that this is how we remember his death and what it means. There is no scriptural basis for all of the pageantry and ceremony of Easter, and in fact Easter is based upon pagan practices. Nowhere are we told to commemorate the death of Jesus in the Easter pageantry. The only way we are called to remember his death is through breaking of bread or communion. And I'll speak more about Easter and the other so-called Christian holidays and holy days in a later chapter in a later uh, podcast on this series. There is one more practice that may form part of a meeting, even though it's not included in Paul's recommendations, and that is anointing with oil for the healing of the sick. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 
This scripture tells us that any who are ill can call upon the elders of the church to come to anoint and pray for the sick person. There is no requirement that it be done in the course of a meeting, but it makes good sense to do it there as typically all or most of the elders will be present. All of these things should make up the structure of a meeting in the church as this is the pattern set down in scripture. And I should reiterate that the structure Paul recommended in 1 Corinthians 14 were not his words alone, but were a command of the Lord. We should always take note of the commands of the Lord and be sure to follow his directions. That's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you will join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless. Music.